0: Section 2 of History of the United States, Part 7, Progressive Democracy and the World War. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by William Tomko history of the united states by charles a beard and mary ritter beard part 7 progressive democracy and the world war section 2 the evolution of republican policies 1901 to 1913 concluded legislative and executive activities economic legislation when president roosevelt turned from the field of opinion he found himself in a different sphere many of his views were too advanced for the members of his party in congress and where results depended upon the making of new laws his progress was slow nevertheless in his administrations several measures were enacted that bore the stamp of his theories though it could hardly be said that he dominated congress to the same degree as did some other presidents the hepburn railway act of nineteen o six enlarged the interstate commerce commission It extended the Commission's power over all pipelines, express companies, and other interstate carriers. It gave the Commission the right to reduce rates found to be unreasonable and discriminatory. It forbade midnight tariffs, that is, sudden changes in rates favoring certain shippers, and it prohibited common carriers from transporting goods owned by themselves, especially coal, except for their own proper use. Two important pure food and drug laws, enacted during the same year, were designed to protect the public against diseased meats and deleterious foods and drugs. A significant piece of labor legislation was an act of the same Congress making interstate railways liable to damages for injuries sustained by their employees. When this measure was declared unconstitutional by the Supreme Court, it was reenacted with the objectionable clauses removed. A second installment of labor legislation was offered in the law of 1908, limiting the hours of railway employees engaged as trainmen or telegraph operators. Reclamation and conservation. The open country, the deserts, the forests, waterways, and the public lands, interested President Roosevelt no less than railway and industrial questions. Indeed, in his first message to Congress, he placed the conservation of natural resources among the most vital internal problems of the age, and forcibly emphasized an issue that had been discussed in a casual way since Cleveland's first administration. The suggestion evoked an immediate response in Congress. Under the leadership of Senator Newlands of Nevada, the Reclamation Act of 1902 was passed, providing for the redemption of the desert areas of the West. The proceeds from the sale of public lands were dedicated to the construction of storage dams and sluiceways to hold water and divert it as needed to the thirsty sands. Furthermore, it was stipulated that the rents paid by water users should go into a reclamation fund to continue the good work forever. Construction was started immediately under the terms of the law. Within 17 years, about 1,600,000 acres had been reclaimed, and more than a million were actually irrigated in the single year 1918. The crops of the irrigated districts were valued at approximately $100 million. In his first message, also, President Roosevelt urged the transfer of all control over national forests to trained men in the Bureau of Forestry a recommendation carried out in nineteen o seven when the forestry service was created in every direction noteworthy advances were made in the administration of the national domain the science of forestry was improved and knowledge of the subject spread among the people lands in the national forest available for agriculture were opened to settlers Water power sites on the public domain were leased for a term of years to private companies instead of being sold outright. The area of the national forests was enlarged from 43 million acres to 194 million acres by presidential proclamation, more than 43 million acres being added in one year, 1907. The men who turned sheep and cattle to graze on the public lands were compelled to pay a fair rental, much to their dissatisfaction fire prevention work was undertaken in the forests on a large scale reducing the appalling annual destruction of timber millions of acres of coal land such as the government had been carelessly selling to mining companies at low figures were withdrawn from sale and held until congress was prepared to enact laws for the disposition of them in the public interest Prosecutions were instituted against men who had obtained public lands by fraud, and vast tracts were recovered for the national domain. An agitation was begun, which bore fruit under the administrations of Taft and Wilson, in laws reserving to the federal government the ownership of coal, water power, phosphates, and other natural resources, while authorizing corporations to develop them under leases for a period of years the prosecution of the trusts. As an executive, President Roosevelt was also a distinct personality. His discrimination between good and bad trusts led him to prosecute some of them with vigor. On his initiative, the Northern Securities Company, formed to obtain control of certain great western railways, was dissolved by order of the Supreme Court. Proceedings were instituted against the American Tobacco Company and the Standard Oil Company as monopolies in violation of the Sherman Antitrust Law. The Sugar Trust was found guilty of cheating the New York Customs House, and some of the minor officers were sent to prison. Frauds in the Post Office Department were uncovered, and the offenders brought to book In fact, hardly a week passed without stirring news of wrongdoers and malefactors hailed into federal courts. The Great Coal Strike The Roosevelt theory that the president could do anything for public welfare, not forbidden by the Constitution, and the laws was put to a severe test in 1902. A strike of the anthracite coal miners, which started in the summer, ran late into the autumn. Industries were paralyzed for the want of coal. Cities were threatened with the appalling menace of a winter without heat. Governors and mayors were powerless and appealed for aid. The mine owners rejected the demands of the men and refused to permit the arbitration of the points in dispute, although John Mitchell, the leader of the miners, repeatedly urged it. After observing closely the course affairs, President Roosevelt made up his mind that the situation was intolerable he arranged to have the federal troops if necessary take possession of the mines and operate them until the strike could be settled he then invited the contestants to the white house and by dint of hard labor induced them to accept as a substitute or compromise arbitration by a commission which he appointed thus by stepping outside the constitution and acting as the first citizen of the land president roosevelt averted a crisis of great magnitude the election of 1904. The views and measures which he advocated with such vigor aroused deep hostility within as well as without his party. There were rumors of a Republican movement to defeat his nomination in 1904, and it was said that the financial and corporation interests were in arms against him. A prominent Republican paper in New York City accused him of having stolen Mr. Bryan's thunder by harrying the trusts and favoring labor unions. When the Republican convention assembled in Chicago, however, the opposition disappeared, and Roosevelt was nominated by acclamation. This was the signal for a change on the part of Democratic leaders. They denounced the president as erratic, dangerous, and radical, and decided to assume the moderate role themselves they put aside mr bryan and selected as their candidate judge alton b parker of new york a man who repudiated free silver and made a direct appeal for the conservative vote the outcome of the reversal was astounding judge parker's vote fell more than a million below that cast for bryan in nineteen hundred of the four hundred seventy six electoral votes he received only one hundred forty Roosevelt, in addition to sweeping the Republican sections, even invaded Democratic territory, carrying the state of Missouri. Thus vindicated at the polls, he became more outspoken than ever. His leadership in the party was so widely recognized that he virtually selected his own successor. The administration of President Taft. The campaign of nineteen o eight long before the end of his election term president roosevelt let it be known that he favored as his successor william howard taft of ohio his secretary of war to attain this end he used every shred of his powerful influence when the republican convention assembled mr taft easily won the nomination Though the party platform was conservative in tone, he gave it a progressive tinge by expressing his personal belief in the popular election of United States senators, an income tax, and other liberal measures. President Roosevelt announced his faith in the Republican candidate and appealed to the country for his election. The turn in Republican affairs now convinced Mr. Bryan that the signs were propitious for a third attempt to win the presidency. The disaster to Judge Parker had taught the party that victory did not lie in a conservative policy. With little difficulty, therefore, the veteran leader from Nebraska once more rallied the Democrats around his standard, won the nomination, and wrote a platform vigorously attacking the tariff, trusts, and monopolies. Supported by a loyal following, he entered the lists, only to meet another defeat though he polled almost a million and a half more votes than did Judge Parker in 1904, the palm went to Mr. Taft. The Tariff Revision and Party Dissensions At the very beginning of his term, President Taft had to face the tariff issue. He had met it in the campaign. Moved by the Democratic demand for a drastic reduction, he had expressed opinions which were thought to imply a downward revision the democrats made much of the implication and the republicans from the middle west rejoiced in it pressure was coming from all sides more than ten years had elapsed since the enactment of the dingley bill and the position of many industries had been altered with the course of time evidently the day for revision at best a thankless task had arrived taft accepted the inevitable and called congress in a special session until the midsummer of nineteen o nine, Republican senators and representatives wrangled over tariff schedules, the president making little effort to influence their decisions. When, on August 5th, the Payne-Aldrich bill became a law, a breach had been made in Republican ranks. Powerful senators from the Middle West had spoken angrily against many of the high rates imposed by the bill. They had even broken with their party colleagues to vote against the entire scheme of tariff revision. The income tax amendment. The rift in party harmony was widened by another serious difference of opinion. During the debate on the tariff bill, there was a concerted movement to include it in an income tax provision, this in spite of the decision of the Supreme Court in 1895 declaring it unconstitutional conservative men were alarmed by the evident willingness of some members to flout a solemn decree of that eminent tribunal at the same time they saw a powerful combination of republicans and democrats determined upon shifting some of the burden of taxation to large incomes in the press of circumstances a compromise was reached The income tax bill was dropped for the present, but Congress passed the 16th Amendment to the Constitution authorizing taxes upon incomes from whatever source they might be derived, without reference to any apportionment among the states on the basis of population. The states ratified the amendment, and early in 1913 it was proclaimed. President Taft's Policies After the enactment of the tariff bill, Taft continued to push forward with his legislative program. He recommended, and Congress created, a special court of commerce with jurisdiction, among other things, over appeals from the Interstate Commerce Commission, thus facilitating judicial review of the railway rates fixed and the orders issued by that body. This measure was quickly followed by an act establishing a system of postal savings banks in connection with the post office, a scheme which had long been opposed by private banks. Two years later, Congress defied the lobby of the express companies and supplemented the savings banks with the parcels post system, thus enabling the American Postal Service to catch up with that of other progressive nations with a view to improving the business administration of the federal government the president obtained from congress a large appropriation for an economy and efficiency commission charged with the duty of inquiring into wasteful and obsolete methods and recommending improved devices and practices the chief result of this investigation was a vigorous report in favor of a national budget system which soon found public backing President Taft negotiated with England and France general treaties providing for the arbitration of disputes which were justiciable in character, even though they might involve questions of vital interest and national honor. They were coldly received in the Senate, and so amended that Taft abandoned them altogether. A tariff reciprocity agreement with Canada, however, he forced through Congress in the face of strong opposition from his own party. After making a serious breach in Republican ranks, he was chagrined to see the whole scheme come to naught by the overthrow of the Liberals in the Canadian elections of 1911. Prosecution of the Trusts The party schism was even enlarged by what appeared to be the successful prosecution of several great combinations in two important cases the supreme court ordered the dissolution of the standard oil company and the american tobacco company on the ground that they violated the sherman antitrust law in taking this step chief justice white was at some pains to state that the law did not apply to combinations which did not unduly restrain trade his remark construed to mean that the court would not interfere with corporations as such became the subject of a popular outcry against the president and the judges. Progressive Insurgency and the Election of 1912 Growing Dissension All in all, Taft's administration from the first day had been disturbed by party discord. High words had passed over the tariff bill, and disgruntled members of Congress could not forget them. To differences over issues were added quarrels between youth and old age. In the House of Representatives, there developed a group of young, insurgent Republicans who resented the dominance of the Speaker, Joseph G. Cannon, and other members of the Old Guard, as they named the men of long service and conservative minds. In 1910, the insurgents went so far as to join with the Democrats in a movement to break the Speaker's sway by ousting him from the Rules Committee and depriving him of the power to appoint its members. The storm was brewing. In the autumn of that year, the Democrats won a clear majority of the House of Representatives and began an open battle with President Taft by demanding an immediate downward revision of the tariff. The Rise of the Progressive Republicans Preparatory to the campaign of 1912, the dissenters within the Republican Party added the prefects Progressive to their old title and began to organize a movement to prevent the renomination of mr taft as early as january twenty first nineteen eleven they formed a progressive republican league at the home of senator la follette of wisconsin and launched an attack on the taft measures and policies in october they endorsed mr la follette as the logical republican candidate and appealed to the party for support the controversy over the tariff had grown into a formidable revolt against the occupant of the white house roosevelt in the field after looking on for a while ex-president roosevelt took a hand in the fray soon after his return in nineteen ten from a hunting trip to africa and a tour in europe he made a series of addresses in which he formulated a progressive program In a speech in Kansas, he favored regulation of the trusts, a graduated income tax bearing heavily on great fortunes, tariff revision schedule by schedule, conservation of natural resources, labor legislation, the direct primary, and the recall of elective officials. In an address before the Ohio State Constitutional Convention in February 1912, he endorsed the initiative and referendum and announced a doctrine known as the recall of judicial decisions. This was a new and radical note in American politics. An ex-president of the United States proposed that the people at the polls should have the right to reverse the decision of a judge who set aside any act of a state legislature passed in the interests of social welfare. The progressive Republicans, impressed by these addresses, turned from La Follette to Roosevelt, and on February 24th induced him to come out openly as a candidate against Taft for the Republican nomination. A split in the Republican Party the country then witnessed the strange spectacle of two men who had once been close companions engaged in a bitter rivalry to secure a majority of the delegates to the republican convention to be held at chicago when the convention assembled about one-fourth of the seats were contested the delegates for both candidates loudly proclaiming the regularity of their election in deciding between the contestants The National Committee, after the usual hearings, settled the disputes in such a way that Taft received a safe majority. After a week of negotiation, Roosevelt and his followers left the Republican Party. Most of his supporters withdrew from the convention, and the few who remained behind refused to answer the roll call. Undisturbed by this formidable bolt, the regular Republicans went on with their work they renominated mr taft and put forth a platform roundly condemning such progressive doctrines as the recall of judges the formation of the progressive party the action of the republicans in seating the taft delegates was vigorously denounced by roosevelt he declared that the convention had no claim to represent the voters of the republican party that any candidate named by it would be the beneficiary of a successful fraud and that it would be deeply discreditable to any man to accept the convention's approval under such circumstances the bitterness of his followers was extreme on july eighth a call went forth for a progressive convention to be held in chicago on august fifth the assembly which duly met on that day was a unique political conference prominence was given to women delegates and politicians were notably absent Roosevelt himself, who was cheered as a conquering hero, made an impassioned speech setting forth his confession of faith. He was nominated by acclamation. Governor Hiram Johnson of California was selected as his companion candidate for vice president. The platform endorsed such political reforms as woman suffrage, direct primaries, the initiative, referendum, and recall, popular election of United States senators, and the short ballot. It favored a program of social legislation, including the prohibition of child labor and minimum wages for women. It approved the regulation, rather than the dissolution, of the trusts. Like apostles in a new and lofty cause, the progressives entered a vigorous campaign for the election of their distinguished leader. Woodrow Wilson and the Election of 1912 with the republicans divided victory loomed up before the democrats naturally a terrific contest over the domination occurred at their convention in baltimore champ clark speaker of the house of representatives and governor woodrow wilson of new jersey were the chief contestants after tossing to and fro for seven long hot days and taking forty-six ballots the delegates powerfully influenced by mr bryan finally decided in favor of the governor as a professor a writer on historical and political subjects and the president of princeton university mr wilson had become widely known in public life as the governor of new jersey he had attracted the support of the progressives in both parties with grim determination he had waged war on the bosses and pushed through the legislature measures establishing direct primaries regulating public utilities and creating a system of workmen's compensation in industries during the presidential campaign that followed governor wilson toured the country and aroused great enthusiasm by a series of addresses later published under the title of the new freedom, he declared that the government of the United States is at present the foster child of the special interests. He proposed to free the country by breaking the dominance of the big bankers, the big manufacturers, the big masters of commerce, the heads of railroad corporations, and of steamship corporations. In the election, Governor Wilson easily secured a majority of the electoral votes, and his party, while retaining possession of the House of Representatives, captured the Senate as well. The popular verdict, however, indicated a state of confusion in the country. The combined progressive and Republican vote exceeded that of the Democrats by 1,300,000 the socialists with eugene v debs as their candidate again polled about nine hundred thousand votes more than double the number received four years before thus as the result of an extraordinary upheaval the republicans after holding the office of president for sixteen years passed out of power and the government of the country was entrusted to the democrats under the leadership of a man destined to be one of the outstanding figures of the modern age Woodrow Wilson, General References, J.B. Bishop, Theodore Roosevelt and His Time, Two Volumes, Theodore Roosevelt, Autobiography, New Nationalism, Progressive Principles, W.H. Taft, Popular Government, Walter Weil, The New Democracy, H. Crowley, The Promise of American Life, j b bishop the panama gateway j b scott the hague peace conferences w b monroe e d initiative referendum and recall c r van huys the conservation of natural resources gifford pinchot the fight for conservation w f willoughby Territories and Dependencies of the United States, 1905. Research topics. Roosevelt and Big Business. Haworth, The United States in Our Own Time, pages 281 to 289. F.A. Ogg, National Progress, American Nation Series, pages 40 to 75. Paxson, The New Nation, Riverside Series Pages two hundred ninety three to three hundred seven Our Insular Possessions Elson History of the United States Pages eight hundred ninety six to nine hundred four Latin American Relations Haworth Pages two hundred and ninety four to two hundred ninety nine Aug pages two hundred and fifty four to two hundred and fifty seven The Panama Canal Haworth Pages three hundred to three hundred nine Aug, pages 266 to 277, Paxson, pages 286 to 292, Elson, pages 906 to 911. Conservation, Haworth, pages 331 to 334, Aug, pages 96 to 115, Beard, American Government and Politics, Third Edition, pages 401 to 416, Republican dissensions under Taft's administration. Haworth, pages 351 to 360. Aug, pages 167 to 186. Paxson, pages 324 to 342. Elson, pages 916 to 924. The Campaign of 1912. Haworth, pages 360 to 379. Aug, pages 187 to 208. Questions. One, compare the early career of Roosevelt with that of some other president. Two, name the chief foreign and domestic questions of the Roosevelt-Taft administrations. Three, what international complications were involved in the Panama Canal problem? Four, the Monroe Doctrine. Discuss Roosevelt's applications of it. 5. What is the strategic importance of the Caribbean to the United States? 6. What is meant by the sea power? Trace the voyage of the fleet around the world and mention the significant imperial and commercial points touched. 7. What is meant by the question, Does the Constitution follow the flag? 8. Trace the history of self-government in Puerto Rico, in the Philippines, 9. What is Cuba's relation to the United States? 10. What was Roosevelt's theory of our Constitution? 11. Give Roosevelt's views on trusts, labor, taxation. 12. Outline the domestic phases of Roosevelt's administrations. 13. Account for the dissensions under Taft. 14. Trace the rise of the progressive movement. Fifteen, what was Roosevelt's progressive program? Sixteen, review Wilson's early career and explain the underlying theory of the new freedom. End of Section 2. Recording by William Tomko.